Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm here in my office with my Bible open to John chapter 4. Now, one of the most difficult things in cultivating a living, active, fruitful relationship with God is the seemingly simple practice of spending time in His presence. Now, if you're anything like me, the tendency is to be reactive as opposed to proactive. That is, we allow problems, trials, perplexing circumstances to be the thing that drives us to our knees, that drives us towards God's presence. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. God, in fact, orchestrates these very circumstances to bring us to that place. But I know I want to better learn to cultivate a desperation for his presence that is not a reaction to negative circumstances, but rather comes from a desperate desire for God himself and for a genuine thirst for the manifestation of his power to touch and transform others. Discipleship and worship can so easily become formulaic, knowledge-based, rather than built from a foundation that is the pursuit of his presence. Because we know that it is only this desperation of the soul that leads us to a person, the person of God, that will result in transformation. Now this brings us to John chapter 4. Now interestingly enough, Jesus taught specifically on the subject of worship only one time. In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman by a well where they have a conversation that begins over a simple drink of water but turns quickly into something much more profound. In verse 19 of John 4, the woman says to Jesus, after having spoken to him for a little while, he says, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, this woman was basically asking the same question being asked today by people everywhere. What is the formula? What's the worship formula? Where do I go? What do I do to worship the true and living God? Now, undoubtedly, Jesus' answer was not what this woman expected. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I find it interesting that the woman Jesus chose for this particular discussion on worship was a woman whose track record with relationships was about as bad as it gets. Jesus, during their conversation, inquired about her husband. And she said to him, I have no husband. And then Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. 
So this woman's five marriages had ended in heartbreak. At this point in her life, she had completely abandoned the idea of marriage and decided that living with her boyfriend could not possibly be any worse than what she had already experienced. Since the woman had not had any success with her relationships with people, it's not surprising that she would try to reduce her relationship with God down to a simple formula. Just tell me where to go and what to do. This is why Jesus' reply to her question is radical in so many ways. Jesus makes it clear that worship has nothing to do with the formula, but with a relationship. Jesus tells her in verse 23 that these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus doesn't say this is the kind of worship the Father seeks, but the kind of worshipers. God is seeking people. Worship is to take place in the context of relationship. Jesus then defined the parameters of that relationship. He says in verse 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The connection point between God and man is not a building or a temple, but the spirit. Worship is the spirit of man and the spirit of God connecting in intimacy and communion at the deepest level. Not only did Jesus say we are to worship him in spirit, but also in truth. Now, what is truth? Perhaps in this context, the better question might be, who is truth? Jesus said of himself in John chapter 4, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is truth and life. The Bible says that when I ask for wisdom from God, for instance, I don't just receive this nugget of wisdom tossed down to me from heaven, but rather I receive a greater revelation of Jesus Christ, who is wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The sum of our spiritual experience is the continual revelation of Jesus Christ to us, in us, and through us. As we worship, God the Father reveals his Son to us through the Holy Spirit. His presence is both the substance and the fruit of our worship. Even our interaction with the Word of God changes through our interaction with Jesus, who is the Word, of whom it says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is truth and life. Hebrews chapter 4 describes how the Word of God is living and active, penetrating soul and spirit, judging and revealing thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How does that happen? By the Spirit bringing life and truth together. If I read the Bible and conclude through my study that, for instance, love plus commitment plus devotion to God's Word plus submission plus reverence equals worship, but leave out this element of spirit, this dynamic of relationship, 
then I can easily become subject to the same warning that Jesus gave to the Pharisees who followed the religious formula to the point of tithing even their spices. But by not having appropriated God's nature, we're told, woe to you, teachers of the law. You hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These are the things that reflect God's nature, his presence, that reveal that the supernatural has invaded the natural. Our flesh loves formulas. I know, as a teacher, there's nothing I love more than a memorable acronym that can be used as a teaching outline. But I cannot reduce my relationship with God down to a formula any more than I can reduce my relationship with my wife down to a formula of do's and don'ts. In talking about transformation, there is this constant circling back to this reality. Jesus is life. His words are like bread that nourish my soul and spirit. Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. This isn't just the speaking and receiving of a prophetic word, that Rima word of God, but the words of God become life and nourishment to me when he speaks by his Spirit through the Scriptures. And now life comes into my circumstances into my trial, into that relationship. That word doesn't always necessarily add to my bank of intellectual knowledge, but to my communion with him and my experience of his authority and power that has its effect in my life and also flows through me to others. It's then that my worship brings my life into alignment with God's purposes. And that's exciting. As I live my life out in this physical realm, there's now a spiritual impact, a kingdom impact, a greater expression of God's presence and authority on earth. There's fruit born of the Spirit who is present and active in my life, which will also result in an eternal reward. So to bring it back full circle, we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, is my appetite for what attracts God's presence sufficient? Am I desperate enough for the transforming life that only Jesus can bring to seek him with all my heart? The Samaritan woman asked a question about religion and encountered the one who, as as she said, told me everything I ever did. She had come to the well to draw water, but instead found a true fountain of living water. Today, Jesus is calling us into his presence to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, speaking of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God's spirit in us is to be like a spring of water, not a stagnant pond. So he bids us, come and drink, to come and worship. Amen.